This is Cast Club Radio. Brought to you by Heritage Distilling. On Cast Club Radio, we believe every spirit has a story. And stories like good drinks are always better when shared with friends. Each week, we'll explore the intersection of cocktails, spirits, beer, wine, and life. It's Cast Club Radio. Here's your hosts, Lydia Cruz and Justin Stiefel. Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us this Saturday. My name is Lydia Cruz. And I'm Justin Stiefel. And I'm Maura Dooley. And the big news going on this week, the Kentucky Derby. Do you guys have your hats ready? Are you getting excited? Yeah, I don't wear hats uh, like <laughs> oh, that. No. I'll, see, okay. I'll see if Jennifer will pull one of her fancy hats out of the closet. All right, that's fair. That's fair. Do you get interested in the race part of it? I'm always interested to know uh, what's going to happen because, uh, you know, you're, we try to see if you're going to have uh, the same horse maybe win the Triple Crown. So it's mm-hmm. just fascinating true. to watch the horses as athletes. True, true. And, uh, I mean... We don't necessarily have one in the... We're sports by day, Maura and I, but I wouldn't <laughs> say that horse racing is quite our specialty. No. At my house, we always... My dad would put all the names in a hat, and we would draw. Oh, I like that. And see, like, yeah, he it's brought, yours. like, a bag of candy for whoever won, so... Oh, I like I liked that. I like that growing up, yeah. Great idea. Well, nice. Well, it'll be fun to watch either way. I, I love watching from a cultural perspective, the outfits, the fanfare. It would be fun to go one year just to see that, to also experience... The culinary and drink side of it, as we know, the famed mint julep, how big a part that is. And later in the hour, we actually will have a cocktail for you along those lines. Anything going on with Heritage this week, Justin? Well, yeah. Well, you know, we were hoping we were going to reopen our uh, waterfront tasting room in Gig Harbor last weekend. Got delayed because of some, you know, last minute uh, inspection issues. But those all were resolved. We opened yesterday, cut the ribbon last evening, and uh, people had a great time and rave reviews over how we redesigned the space, doubled the size, lots of seating. And uh, so when we're done with the show here, I'm going to head back down to the waterfront location and make sure things are still hopping. Awesome. We're going to have to get down there. Exactly. And it'll be right in time for summer. It's such a fun place, great place to be around the summertime. So we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, what's going on in the headlines? Well, you you mentioned the Kentucky Derby. And Mm -hmm. uh, according to our friends at MSN, this year they have their uh, renewal of their annual fundraiser for a mere $1,000. You can get one of their specialty Woodford Reserve Mint Juleps or low, low price. Yeah. The low, low price of $1,000, or you can spring for the upcharge version and spend $2,500 for your mint julep. Uh, why are these so expensive? Well, first off, uh, they have a barrel of their sweetener. They call it the sweetener, which is one of the main ingredients that makes the julep what it is. That barrel has been uh, will have been aged for 145 days at the track by the time they go to pour them. It consists of Kentucky Proud honey, water, and mint grown at Churchill Downs. So they put that all together in the barrel, let it age for 145 days, and then um, they begin to add uh, bourbon. And then when it's race, race day, you get to choose either a sterling silver cup or one of 20 14-karat gold plate renditions of the cup. That's the price difference, $1,000 or $2,500. In the past 14 years, they've raised $700,000. The cups this year were crafted by a specialty jeweler in Kentucky, and they feature designs of what they call the Twin Spires barrels and a bottle of Woodford Reserve. They're stored in a wooden box, and they're nestled into a piece of jockey silks. 
from a bow tie company. So it is a whole presentation. You're not just getting the drink. You're getting the whole uh, kit and caboodle, and the money goes for a good cause. And uh, as you mentioned earlier, we will tell you how to make a great mint julep later in the show. I like that. It seems a little extravagant, but I'm glad to know that the money goes to charity. all for a good cause. Yeah, all for good cause. Next up, uh, if you remember the movie Sideways from quite a while ago, that was about a couple guys winding their way through wine country. Well, Amy Poehler is now releasing a Netflix movie called Wine Country, and it's based on actual vacations with her and her Saturday Night Live co-hosts and friends. Uh, this will be her directorial debut. It comes out May 10th. Uh, it's going to be on Netflix alongside collaborators like Maya Rudolph, uh, Rachel Dratch, Anna Geisler, and so on. It's going to feature... Uh, sketches, including real-life vacations throughout wine country, uh, Rachel Dratch's 50th birthday party celebration, uh, Palm Springs Adventure for others. And uh, I like Amy Poehler. I'm a big fan of Parks and Rec and what she, she did there. And so uh, I'm excited to grab a glass of wine and watch Wine Country when it comes out on Netflix on May 10th. Yeah, I mean, everything she does is funny to me. She's written books that are great. She's been a part of a lot of my favorite things. And, yeah, her combination. I know, right? Like Tina Fey makes a cameo. Yeah, it looks awesome. It looks amazing. It kind of reminds me of just another version of Bridesmaids, too, which I absolutely love. But just like wine country. So, yeah, this is a great uh, chick flick that will appeal to everybody, not just women. (laughs) And I'm excited. Me, too. What else is going on? Well, quickly, our friends at McAllen, makers of uh, one of the most widely known scotches in the world, uh, they had one of their global advertising campaigns yanked from the market by the Advertising Standards Authority. Uh, They said it promotes risky or daring behavior. What was this about? Well, uh, they received six complaints about their advertisements, uh, which were broadcast on various platforms, including TV and Instagram, questioning whether it was irresponsible to connect alcohol with being daring, uh, tough, or irresponsible behavior. And what what did this feature? It was featured on the idea of bold decision-making and a 90-second hero film asking people, what would you risk? Um, And so uh, more evidence that our folks over in the U.K. are a little more uptight about this stuff than we are here in the U.S. when it comes to alcohol advertising. Yeah, I can see where... What kind of what they're saying? It says the man basically is base jumping off the cliff, but with these wings, and they think that promoting <laughs> recklessness along with the idea of alcohol is a bad idea. But it's yeah, definitely a, yes. you're you're reading a bit into the commercial at that point as well. Yeah, it's, it's not advisable to uh, jump off a cliff in any scenario. No, nope. so much less <laughs> if you've been drinking or not. No, no, no. And if you think you grew wings, you may have had too much to yeah, drink as well. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you may be consuming something else that was recently made legal in Washington. Yeah. Still to come on Cast Club Radio, we'll hear about a great event going on for the Kentucky Derby if you want to get out your best hat and go to that. But next, here's some terms you need to know when ordering a cocktail. Terms that people often get messed up. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. Thanks for hanging out with us today. We mentioned it before the break. There's some very specific terms that you need to know when ordering a cocktail. And probably a lot of us have, we've all experienced a messed up order or just maybe it was terminology that we weren't familiar with. Well, we've got a list of 13 terms that will help you 
on your cocktail ordering adventures. Things you absolutely need to know, courtesy of Insider.com. Justin, we start us off. So these observations come to us from two of the top bartenders in the U.S., one Christoph Dornemann in New Orleans and the other uh, Julian Vose in uh, New York City. And uh, the author of the article interviewed them to get their take. I'm sure that they've run across a lot of crazy requests and misinformed requests. First up is people often confuse the terms neat and up. According to Christoph, sometimes you get a customer who would ask, can I get a Knob Creek or a nice bourbon up? What they really want is neat. Neat means to be poured, measured, and shot into a glass um, as opposed to uh, up, which is uh, like what you'd have in a martini glass in uh, that tall glass. Mara, you've yeah. probably had experience in this confusion. Yes, I've definitely had martinis and, and drinks that people just want in a rocks glass, whether with ice, which is rocks, or without. It's it's definitely a confusing thing for people. One thing that I I do remember when I was bartending, though, is that I believe if you order like a cognac or something like that up, it, it comes in a snifter. So that mm. is one that I think you can order up and not necessarily mean in a martini glass over ice. But yes, I would. I think this is a, a good one to know. Yeah, generally neat means uh, no ice and up uh, would include ice or being chilled, but also served in a specific type of glass. That's the way to keep it uh, keep it straight. Uh, next up, if a cocktail or sipping spirit is served over ice, it's on the rocks. We all, I think, are used to asking for bourbon on the rocks or whiskey on the rocks. Ordering on the rocks or over ice, if it's uh, neat, it's a single spirit, and they suggest using a single rocks glass with a chunk of ice, not a lot of ice cubes. If it's a Negroni, they would put it in an old-fashioned glass with a large chunk of ice. That's according to uh, Jillian Vos out of New York City. Is there any way that you can mess up the on-the-rocks order? Like, Maura, I'm, you're my bartending expert, but is there any way that you've ever heard that messed up? It seems pretty simple. I think most people know what that means. Sure. But, um, but usually I always thought neat was no ice. They're talking about the big chunk of ice, but I think that might be at your fancier cocktail bars where they have gotcha. the specific kinds of ice. Not every bar has that. West specific ice. Okay, I like it. <laughs> oh yeah, you get the big uh, fancy uh, cocktail ice. Uh, the big, big, mm-hmm. big, big shape. Yeah. Yep. 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 Next up, uh, scant. Scant is a measurement that means less than the full amount. So. Uh, you don't want to try too much, but if you do a scant measurement of something, it means less than the full amount, uh, kind of like a pinch or a smidge. Uh, I guess these are kind of loose colloquialisms that uh, bartenders have a hard time uh, quantifying. Well, okay, how much do you mean by that? Because everybody's got a slightly different uh, palate in terms of what they're looking for in their cocktail. Very true. I've had people that uh, definitely I, I noticed that with mojitos. Some people like them with hardly any sugar. Some people like them a lot sweeter. I think they're maybe used to more of a syrupy version. That's probably not yeah. true to what it's actually supposed Meant to be. be. Yeah. So scant. Uh, it's always best to be a little more descriptive and helpful if you're asking someone to make something for you to be as uh, as helpful in your description as mm-hmm. possible. Not not rely on them to be the judgment of what of what you want. Uh, next up, you should know that bitters are when ordering an old fashioned. This is true. Bitters in general are a concentrated herbal tincture, and they have proprietary ingredients. Uh, the manufacturers don't always divulge every single ingredient. Some of them have spices and roots. Uh, some are sweeter than others. Uh, some are very dry, very uh, focused on a particular lead ingredient. And you see now um, 
the bitters that come in the very small containers, they've got different flavor profiles. So you can get celery bitters, you can get um, peppered bitters. Really, the, the type of bitter that you want is going to uh, drive the kind of cocktail you're having. And in general, if you're looking for something with uh, whiskey, like an old-fashioned, uh, the old-fashioned Agnister of bitters, the old go-to, uh, that's the classic one. Uh, they do have alcohol in them. They're typically about 35% alcohol, but because they're so bitter on the palate, humans can't drink them on a regular basis to get intoxicated. They're only meant to be a slight addition to elevate uh, specific depths of the cocktail. Yeah, if you get like a Manhattan or an Old Fashioned, you're getting a couple of dashes of bitters. It's it's just a touch. It's just kind of to finish the drink. But like they said, you could ask for a specific kind to give it a little bit of a different flavor. I had a an Old Fashioned at Toulouse in Queen Anne, and they had a black maple walnut bitters. Wow. That was really good, and it's, but it's not going to be the same, you know, as adding a syrup or something really overpowering. It's just a hint of a little something that can change the profile of your drink a little bit. Yeah, and when we interviewed and- the mind behind Scrappy's bitters on this show, too, he also had a bunch of different ones that they were playing around with, lavender, I believe, and yeah. uh, different ones that sounded like they would add just a little other element to your drink. That's right. And uh, two dashes of bitters is is a little less than a scant, right? <laughs> Probably. Yeah, we need, right? we need a different right. word for that. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, asking for something muddled means the bartender is going to release the flavors of certain ingredients. Uh, so that's where they get the muddler, the muddling stick out. They smash up fruits or herbs. So if you're making your mojito and you muddle those uh, mint leaves, you're trying to release the oil out of the mint leaves to enhance the flavor of that cocktail. In the old fashions, you're going to muddle the orange. It's a normal skill set. Any bartender is going to be able to provide for you. The fresher the herbs or fruit, the better. And, you know, I would encourage folks out there who have not had a lot of cocktails with muddled ingredients to begin to experiment with that, both when you go out to bars and and at home, because um, the inside of each of those ingredients has some very, very amazing opportunities to change the depth of the cocktail flavor. Yeah, you can not only do it with, uh, I think mojito is the one that everyone thinks of, but you mm-hmm. can add basil, you can add sage, you can you can muddle berries and anything to kind of re- release more of that flavor. But I do like the, the note that the bartenders have in here, because I worked at a crowded club type bar. Uh, it says, for instance, a club bar wouldn't be the best place to order a mojito, mm-hmm. which includes mm-hmm. muddled mint leaves, since the venue might not have fresh herbs on hand. Plus, just really busy. Time-wise, those those just handcrafted cocktails, it's not really a good place to Absolutely. order Absolutely. Uh, a drink that is shaken is uh, one that's put in the shaker, and the purpose of that is to uh, both chill it and aerate it. So they often contain citrus, dairy, or eggs. Uh, they're made in shaker tins. That's versus being stirred. That's where it uh, is diluted slightly, and it changes the temperature, but it doesn't change the texture. And uh, the ability for you to um, watch them put ice in the container and stir it for certain cocktails and it's dropping the temperature without diluting it and then they pour it out. Uh, there's, a, there's a good science and art to that. And uh, th- again, this goes back to the chemistry of making cocktails versus beer and wine. Yeah, that's going to give you that really nicely chilled drink with maybe even just a, the tiniest bit of the, the ice chips that are shaken in there. Uh, but you're not going to have a bunch of ice floating in your drink. <laughs> That's right. Uh, next up, have you ever asked, uh, f- heard somebody ask for a perfect drink? Uh, when you ask for a perfect, that means you're going to get equal amounts of dry and sweet vermouth. That gives you a balance. For example, if you ask for a perfect Manhattan, uh, equal parts dry and sweet vermouth, they're going to balance that out. Uh, that's opposed to a dry martini. Uh, a dry martini has left from less vermouth than a wet martini. 
Uh, Winston Churchill was famous for uh, his gin martinis. He wanted them so dry that you basically pass the vermouth glass uh, bottle by the glass of gin without pouring <laughs> it in. Because uh, yeah, he was basically drinking straight gin with maybe wow. a couple of olives. Wow. Yeah. Um, as opposed to a wet martini, which is where you're going to be putting in um, some amount of uh, dry vermouth. But yeah, I've always thought this this whole thing is confusing because to me, like, a, a, I think a traditional martini, it's supposed to come with a little bit of vermouth. So it's weird to me that you have to add wet to specify and then, or say, some people say like bone dry and it's like, well, then you just don't want any vermouth. So I don't know. Yeah. You can't make it any drier than no vermouth. And so I don't think it out. it's just weird. But I, I also had had people order, I've heard them call it different things like an in and out or just wash the glass where they just want you to basically put mm-hmm. vermouth in the glass, dump it out. And then you just have a little bit of that residue on the glass. So people can be very specific about very the amount of vermouth. All right. Yes. Uh, next up is the term expressing. Expressing means to extract oil from a citrus fruit. Uh, most of that oil is based in the peel, uh, just it's between the skin and the pith part of the uh, the peel. And uh, you're going to see bartenders uh, either squeezing or twisting or peeling back to express as much of the oil as possible. And the oil really uh, has amazing uh, character uh, for changing flavor of cocktails. And uh, we, we try to play around with this as much as possible. Yeah, you'd be surprised. You can really tell just when you someone orders a drink with a twist and you just rub that lemon peel around the edge of the glass, how much flavor you can get out of that. I love that. That's one of yeah. my favorite things about expressing fl- about a cocktail is, is when you get that great citrus hit. You can see that if you get close enough when they uh, do the twist or otherwise express it, you can actually see those little oil uh, sprouts popping out yeah. and uh, spreading them around like spores. It's, it's fascinating to watch close up. Just don't get it in your eyes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah they can be aggressive. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, Amanda Reed, our friend over at Heartwood Provisions, the beverage director there on the great Kentucky Dairy soiree that they have got going on. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Club Radio. Right now, we're talking to Amanda Reed, Beverage Director of Heartwood Provisions, and they've got a pretty epic Kentucky Derby soiree going on. But Amanda, thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thank you for having me. We want to hear all about the soiree here in just a few minutes. But first of all, you have a pretty incredible story in working in the beer, wine, spirits industry. Can we just learn a little bit of your background and how you got into this? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I started working in restaurants in high school. I was on a path to become a teacher. I uh, did a little Montessori school teaching back in my uh, early 20s and um, and then was going to college, studying sociology, was kind of having a hard time working and going to school. And so um decided to get back into the restaurant industry to, you know, try to make my way through college, which is kind of a common tale. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, I was in San Francisco at the time, and it was like the mid-2000s, and the craft cocktail movement was just kind of getting going and kind of landed myself in some really cool spots with really amazing kind of the forefathers of the cocktail industry in San Francisco at the time and, you know, had some really incredible mentors and just got really passionate about it and decided to continue along and made a career out of it. And it's been, it's been great. And then moved to Seattle and 
2011 um, and just been running bars here ever since and loving what I do. What was it about cocktails specifically that really drew you in? Was it the creation element, the artistic element, the pairing of flavors? What what about it? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of all those things. You know, I I found that I had a, I think, a kind of a natural um, talent for putting flavors together. And uh, I really enjoyed once I started bartending, you know, I had was working in a little dive uh Italian restaurant North Beach at the time and um, nobody really teaching me at that point Um, so I was kind of like learning on the internet and you know making drinks wrong for you know a while and (laughs) and then again when I landed in these places where people were creating these beautiful drinks um, you know similar to chefs creating you know this beautiful food like it just was really inspiring and um, you know I started just experimenting and um, you know people seemed to like you know, what I would create. And um, I started learning about wine at the same time and got really excited about that and just kind of, you know, opened up a whole world of, you know, palate sensations and, um, you know, and obviously adding, you know, the food element in there. And, you know, it's just such a really neat cultural experience um, to be a part of and to be able to, you know, create beautiful things for people to enjoy. And, yeah, it's been, you know, it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I've been lucky. I've been able to do a lot of really cool stuff in my career. Right Sorry. place, right time, I think. <laughs> yeah, I mean, opportunity definitely is a huge part of things. I was wondering, you have a little bit of the teacher background. Has that sort of come into play when you are in the in the beverage industry as well? Because you get to help people or instruct people on how to enjoy both food and beverage? Yeah, you know, I was always... Um, you know, passionate about teaching. And I think it was really natural for me to really like lead bars. So more than anything, like leading um, a team and being a mentor, I've actually had quite a few people who have come up under me who are incredible and, you know, have made their own names. And, you know, I get that kind of like proud teacher moment, (laughs) you know, and like someone like, you know, they've just like moved on and, you know, now they're running their own bars and winning all these cocktail competitions. And so I think, you know, I've always been like a nurturer and I think, you know, have, have, I have patience, which is certainly important and, you know, working in the restaurant industry, you know, as a whole, but especially when you're leading others. So, yeah, I mean, they go hand in hand. I always kind of made the joke about like, you know, being a preschool teacher and being, you know, a bartender is, you know, oftentimes like the same job. <laughs> so, you know, you've got to certainly practice your patience and, you know, you're dealing with a lot of children at times. So, yeah, it's just, you know, a lot of chaos and um, but you love it, you know, and you love the people you work with and it's fun. Uh, Amanda, I'm, I'm wondering uh, what you're seeing in the last year or two years here on the local spirit scene that you think could be something that has the ability to, to go on a bigger scale. So often we, we see things starting in San Francisco or New York, and, and I think there's so much captive energy here on the spirit side in the Northwest, uh, but you're on the front lines. I'm wondering what you're seeing that's uh, of most interest. Well, I think, you know, in my time here, um, spirits were only being uh, distilled legally for a couple years before I got here. Um, and so the quality has really like increased dramatically for, you know, it's been about 10 years, I think. Um, And so that's really cool to watch and, you know, more and more local spirit companies like coming into play, but, you know, there's always such a focus, I think in the Northwest and in California on using, you know, natural ingredients and seasonal ingredients. And I feel that at first, 
um, the local spirits companies were, you know, they were just trying to get their, their vodka out, their gin out, their, their white dog, which would eventually become whiskey once it had time to age. But now you're seeing a lot more um, people kind of finding more focus with liqueurs and, um, you know, fortified wines. Uh, you know, I think I see a big trend in the cocktail movement. And it's and something I, I'm very, you know, inspired by are, you know, lower proof drinks and aperitif style cocktails, you know, trying to, you know, kind of more be a little bit more moderate, I think, in consumption is certainly like on everybody's mind at the time, at, the, at this time. And so, you know, you are seeing more vermouths and um, people playing around a lot more with making like spritz and things like that. So lower ABV drinks and, you know stuff that's a little bit more uh, crushable, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so that seems to be kind of where I, what I see is, you know, the direction of things. And that's what we do in our pairing program with um, our menu here, um, where I pair cocktails with, with each dish. They're, you know, mostly fortified or um, liqueur-based with just, you know, small portions of um, foolproof spirits. And so kind of using those more like a liqueur would traditionally be used to create a, you know, lower proof drink. So that's kind of what I see happening, which is, I think, a great, you know, kind of new direction for our industry, for sure, a healthier direction. How much does that play into your ideas and designing of new cocktails at Hardwood Provisions? What is, what goes into that process? So, you know, like I just mentioned, we specialize in food and cocktail pairings. Um, I have a cocktail pairing for every dish on the menu, which is something that's super unique. Um, There's a few places in the country that do this on like a smaller chef's menu sort of thing. But, um, you know, we do it with everything and um, our menus change frequently. So we're always coming up with new stuff. But, yeah, they're all smaller portioned, lower proof um, when you get the opportunity to use a lot of, um, you know, wine and beer product, um, things of that sort that don't have the same level of taxes, you can also keep them pretty moderately priced. So we kind of like talk about it as being like a garnish to the dish and, you know, it's an additional like $7. Um, And so, you know, consequently, like I have a huge fortified wine selection, like I would Say it has to be the largest in town by quite a bit. Um, so using lots of sherries, vermouths, um, you know, uh, mistels, things of that sort. Um, so that's like a very important piece to our puzzle. So with our house cocktails, they are standard style cocktails. Um, you know, we kind of have a very like fresh seasonal approach. So lots of house made ingredients, house made syrups and shrubs and tinctures. Um, but, you know, in order to kind of overlap and create like a bridge between the programs, um, there's always like an element of like a fortified wine or a lower proof ingredient to kind of, you know, be a part of that drink and to sort of kind of bridge the, the programs. And, um, you know, again, we have all these amazing Spanish vermouths that no one's heard of and all kinds of, you know, random stuff that's like super new to people. So they get really excited about it. And it's really fun for us to play with because we can kind of dial in our, you know, our cocktails that way, give them some length to give them, you know, a little bit more of a, 
a story, you know, with these ingredients that are unique and, um, and, you know, just keep the drinks well balanced because again, you're kind of lowering the proof at that point and creating more balance. Yeah. I'm looking at the menu right now and it's incredible. This seems like a place where you can really come find unique cocktails with ingredients you've probably never tried before. And also some of the classics. I do see one fun one on here, Lydia. We've been talking about Game of Thrones a lot. There's a drink called Khaleesi's Rain. So we're going to have to get down there at some point and organize some kind of tasting session. Wow. All right. Sounds good. Coming up on Cast Club Radio, more from Amanda on the great Kentucky Derby soiree they've got going on at Heartwood Provisions. Some of the cocktails involved, including the mint julep. And we've also got a great mint julep recipe for you to make at home. It's next on Cast Club Radio. Welcome back to Cast Club Radio. We've been chatting with Amanda Reed, our friend over at Hartwood Provisions, the beverage director there, about the Kentucky Derby soiree they've got going on on Saturday, May 4th. Well, Amanda, we have to talk about this incredible Kentucky Derby soiree that you guys have coming up. First of all, can you just tell me a little bit behind the story? How long have you guys been doing this? What's, What's the story behind it? Yeah, this is our third year. So this year we are being sponsored by Mixtures, which we're really excited about. This is actually a party that I used to throw when I was managing Tavern Law up on Capitol Hill back in the day. And it was always super fun. And, you know, people in this city, I think, love to dress up and they love the derby and they love bourbon and juleps and all of that. So it was really easy to kind of, you know, want to recreate that same kind of event here at Hartwood. Um, it's very like fitting for mm-hmm. us. We have such a large, you know, inviting bar area and, um, you know, an amazing back bar and amazing bartenders. And so, yeah, we just, you know, we put out a specialty cocktail menu with some themed drinks, of course, tulips being one of them. And, you know, our, our sponsor, you know, hosts a bunch of beautiful snacks that we, you know, have out for everybody. And, you know, we encourage people to dress up and, you know, oftentimes hold raffles. We're going to hold a raffle this year for um, a fascinator and, you know, a fancy bow tie. So like every yes. every julep will get a raffle ticket and, nice. um, you know, you can win these fun prizes. And yeah, and it's just fun. You know, it's usually sunny out. We get a TV. Uh, we play the race, obviously, which is, you know, pretty, pretty brief. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the... <laughs> comes and goes pretty fast but you know but the event is, is so fun and it brings out a lot of friends and it seems like we're gonna be you know popping this year too we've got a really good lineup of people that are coming and, and excited about it so we're we're thrilled to be hosting again and looking forward to it a lot of great hats i'm sure in the room when that if there is oh, yeah. dressing up encouraged yeah so oh, the yeah people people get into it for sure yeah, like you said, the race is pretty short, but I think you go for the cocktails and the people watching, and then the race is kind of like a bonus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just like a time to gather and celebrate, right? It's almost kind of the cusp of, like, summer a little bit. Like Again, it, it seems to always be really nice out, which is wonderful. You know how it is in Seattle. We, we take them when we get them. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, it just feels, you know, we open up the windows, and it just feels great here, and everybody's having a good time. And if mint juleps aren't your thing, you do have some great other sounding cocktails. Will you just run through those really quickly, what people could expect? Yeah. So, I mean, we do have a whole, you know, whiskey lineup with Mictors being our host. Um, you know, we've got a a la Louisiane and 
And then we're also offering uh, like a vodka and a gin buck, which will be, um, you know, just lemon uh, ginger beer. So just kind of more fresh and light. So, if you know, again, whiskey isn't your thing. You've got other options, plus a full bar because, you know, we have all the things. So lots of great options. Perfect. If people want to be a part of this great event and why wouldn't they, where can they find more information? Um, so if you visit our website, uh, Heartwood SCA, there's a link that will link you to our Facebook event. And that actually has all the details and, you know, you can mark if you're interested or if you're coming. And yeah, pretty, you know, pretty straightforward. Starts at 2 p.m. And at 4, uh, obviously you can come earlier. We serve brunch all day. So our brunch is amazing. So if yes. you want to come early and have brunch and then, you know, come on into the party afterwards. And then, Yeah. The happy hour menu will start at two as well. So we'll have additional food options, which are great. I love it. Thank you so much, Amanda. We really appreciate you taking the time yeah, to join us. Pleasure. Tell us about this cool Thanks event. Yeah. Do you have a, like literally a horse in the race? Or is there anyone <laughs> you're rooting for? Uh, you know, I haven't gotten that far. I'm still okay. on my hat. So. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, day of, I will have my horse. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank Amanda. you. If you can't make it out to Heartwood Provisions and you're just looking for a cocktail to make at home, we do have one. You're in luck. A mint julep to make at home. Justin? True. We call this the Julep 103. So uh, normal mint julep requires bourbon and uh, extra sugar or honey as the sweetener base. Uh, we're recommending for this one our BSB 103. That's our brown sugar bourbon and 103 proof. You can find that in retailers all over the place or at heritagedistilling.com. Uh, start with two ounces of the BSB 103. It's 103 proof, so be careful. <laughs> you want to add a teaspoon of super fine sugar, the confectioner's type sugar. Get some fresh mint. You might want to get that early this week so you're not running out at the last minute. You want to take a few of those mint leaves, clap them together in your hand to release of flavor, bring out those oils we talked about. You want to have crushed ice. This is the really super fine crushed ice. Not as small uh, particles as you would get in a shaved Hawaiian ice, but uh, very, very tiny ice particles. You want to mix all those together vigorously with the bar spoon. Put it in a mug. If you're going to go the traditional route, you want a pewter uh, mug, uh, mint julep cup, and then you top it with more ice and a garnish of mint sprig. And uh, the glass should be full of ice and full of liquid. It's uh, great on a hot day and uh, just a classic uh, Kentucky Derby cocktail with our own BSB 103 twist. Getting dressed up, wearing the hat, it's it's optional, but we still recommend it. Yeah, this sounds awesome. Yes. And Aaron from Heritage sent us over a little bit of history on the mint julep, and I did not know any of this. I don't know if you guys did, but it says that it was invented in the 18th century as a pick-me-up for Kentucky farmers who spent their days planning, harvesting, and taking care of livestock. And apparently, back then, whiskey was more equivalent to moonshine. It was a little ah. rough. So they added the mint and the sugar to make it go down smoother. It's funny how often that is a theme on certain things that we've yes. talked about, where, whether drinks are invented. The gin and tonic. As sort of happy accidents. Sometimes they have a medicinal beginning to them. And then things are added to either make them more palatable or to make them more just generally enjoyable. So this adding to the list. And then it also says that frontiersmen were known to carry their own eating utensils as they traveled. And those wishing to show their wealth would carry silver cups. Oh. So even even the cup has a tie in there. That's pretty cool. I never knew that. Yeah. 
Learning learning something every day here on Casco <laughs> Radio. Also, I always love learning the history behind all of these great things that we're drinking and consuming. So if you want to check out this Julep 103 recipe, as you should, it will be available online for you at heritagedistilling.com. You can check out past recipes there. You can also download episodes of Cast Club Radio. That's right. You can find us on Facebook at Cast Club Radio. You can send us emails at castclubradio at heritagedistilling.com. Uh, post pictures, send us questions, send us recipe ideas, and don't forget to rate us on iTunes. Thanks so much, and we will catch you here next week. Everybody have a great weekend. Cheers. Thanks for listening to Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling. Check us out on MyNorthwest.com to learn more and catch up on past episodes. Cask Club Radio, brought to you by Heritage Distilling.